his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And this time we find ourselves in 1992. This was the year of the Rodney King verdict and the riots that broke out afterward in Los Angeles. It all began with the returning of that trial jury's verdict, acquitting four officers of the L.A. Police Department for use of excessive force. They'd been charged with that in the arrest and beating of Rodney King. That, of course, had been videotaped and widely seen on television around the world. The rioting lasted nearly a week, eventually claimed more than 60 lives, did over a billion dollars in damage, led to more than 12,000 arrests, Governor Pete Wilson of California called in the National Guard. President George H.W. Bush sent in the Army and the Marines to return order to the streets of Los Angeles. And a couple of months later, on June 26, 1992, KCBS broadcast a special report called Beyond the Anger. It took a close look at the issues of inner-city hopelessness and poverty, as well as some signs of positive movement on those issues. In this particular special report, we hear from KCBS reporters Mike Sugarman, Jerry Wilcox, and the late George Harris. This spring, any thoughts that things were getting better in America's inner cities were shattered. (laughs) Anger, frustration, and years of neglect sparked by the Rodney King verdict spilled over into the worst urban riots of a generation. The problems of urban America have jumped onto the front pages the past few weeks, but they have been around for some time. And the problems of South Central Los Angeles aren't much different from the problems people face in the inner cities of the Bay Area. For example, East Palo Alto. East Palo Alto has some of the nicest weather in the Bay Area, a prime location right on Highway 101. Access to one of the world's premier universities, Stanford, two miles away. A population of 24,000 primarily good, honest, and decent people. 40% black, 36% Hispanic, 15% Pacific Islander and Asian, and 12% white. But these people aren't able to live life to the fullest because of the problems they face. The problems of urban America. You have a, a concentration of poor in one particular area with no tax base to serve it. And so regardless of the services that are needed, the city simply can't afford Uh, to provide even a minimum level of services. East Palo Alto City Manager Alan Parker says the Bay Area's poorest city has no bank, few restaurants, no chain supermarket, no shopping center. People have to go somewhere else to do most things. And the lack of services is evident right from the start. (coughs) East Palo Alto has one medical facility, the Drew Health Foundation, usually with two doctors on duty. Last year, the clinic saw 23,000 patients, far more than a typical clinic, even in an urban area. 
Okay, can you give him a message? He has a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 1140 with uh, Mr. Coleman here. There at are no doctors in private practice. Reimbursements from uh, various agencies like Medi-Cal or, or uh, Medicare is, is not that high. And so you don't have the, the kind of physicians who are, uh, want to, to set up an office in an, uh, uh, an area that uh, has a low economic uh, base. Manfred Hayes runs the Drew Clinic. He says it's a shame there are no doctors in town because the poor need medical care more than other income levels. <laughs> On street corners near the Drew Clinic and throughout the two square miles of East Palo Alto, most hours of the day, you find people hanging out with little to do. Ain't to do. Step outside, you're on the spot, there ain't nowhere to go, nothing to do. People have a lot of time on their hands here for a couple of reasons. Please put your papers away inside your desk. Have your hands on top of the table. East Palo Alto has some dedicated teachers and principals, but by the time many kids get to high school, they don't stay. The dropout rate is upwards of 40% compared to 25% elsewhere in California. I'm going to have Robert go get the paper. And then I'm going to have him pass out to groups five and four. And the kids that aren't in school have a hard time finding a job. So this is an eligibility review. We're just uh -huh. going to go over your paper with you to see how They you may be on unemployment insurance, but if they've never been in the job market, they aren't eligible. The unemployment rate in East Palo Alto is also close to 40%. The Bay Area averages somewhere around 5%. Uh, I work part-time in people's houses, and a lot of my clients that I work for are a lot of their kids and things are live in the city, so when the earthquake came, a lot of work that I was getting there doing now, so my work's been real slow. Levi Evans is a handyman and typical of the unemployed in East Palo Alto. Out of work and left with little to do except hang around with friends on street corners. Boredom is extremely dangerous, and boredom is the major problem. At Ravenswood School, which has kids from kindergarten to eighth grade, Principal Gwendolyn Driver oversees a dedicated staff. They only have the kids a short period of the day, and because of lack of funds, there are precious few after-school programs. The, the downtime is when these kids leave us around 3 o'clock. They have nothing to do until about 6. Some of them are locked out the house because their parents are working. It is not safe for them to go into the house because they're afraid that their home will be vandalized. And so it's not like a latchkey kid with a key running home to unlock the door. These kids are told... You're going to be locked out at 7 in the morning, and you can't come back until mom comes back from work. Superintendent of schools Charlie Knight has lots of ideas how to educate and entertain the students for the hours after school, keep them off the streets, but can't. And there are some pretty mean streets in East Palo Alto. At night, you can hear gunshots. It scares me a lot. Like going out, like you want to walk outside for a while. Rose Violet won't let her kids out of the house after dark. In some neighborhoods, drug dealers do a brisk business 24 hours a day. I'd just kind of be down here snooping and pooping around at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning, and it was unbelievable the, the uh, amount of uh, street activity, people standing on uh, street corners uh, at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. East Palo Alto's new police chief, Bernie Matthews, has taken over a beleaguered department that faced charges of corruption and ineptness which he is now working hard to overcome. But again, because of lack of funds, he has problems attracting good officers. Right now, his officers make 30000 a year to start. I'd like to have a budget by which uh, I could uh, uh, attract uh, uh, quality police officers. Right now, my, my department is the lowest paid on the peninsula. Um, I need crackerjack cops. I need tire biters. I need people to go out there and make a difference in our community. To make the good and honest citizens of East Palo Alto feel safe in their community. 
Right now, many don't, and if they get a chance, they leave. They move because it's uncomfortable. They move because uh, the, 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 there's a high crime rate. They move because they don't feel safe. School's chief Knight is saddened by that, because when the people who make it, the successful people who are the role models, leave, there is no one else to look up to, and that is happening all over America's inner cities. What about the baby? Lack of role models especially hurts boys, because most don't have a father at home. We, we no longer have the nuclear family that we would know where you have a mother and a father and children. Now we have a grandmother They may be heading a family with three sets of children from three different uh, of her children. School's Chief Knight says 35% of her students are in foster homes. Maybe 40% have a father in the house. Many of them are on drugs, in jail, or incapacitated for one reason or another. Lack of jobs, lack of education, lack of role models, a breakdown in the family, drugs, high crime. Living with only one of those things might be hard enough. But people in the inner city face a cumulative effect. It all takes its toll. What's it like to face these obstacles day after day, week after week, year after year? KCBS reporter George Harris went to find out. His report, When Beyond the Anger, Crisis in the Inner City, continues on KCBS News Radio 74. 16-year-old Kenneth Miller, a sophomore at McAteer High in San Francisco, is trying to find his calling. If life is a game, Kenneth has it condensed to a half dozen or so simple rules. Making your meal, getting your girls... Doing what you gotta do, make your money, and that's it. That's what the game is all about. Not getting gypped, you know what I'm saying? Not getting got, not getting shot. You're going on your way. Do not be making any obscene gestures. It's senior picture day at McAteer, where Kenneth is a sophomore. I'm gonna be honest, it's not like I look forward to going to school, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I know it's something I gotta do, so I get up and do it. Congratulations, it's all over. If you haven't turned it on, for all Kenneth is first to admit he's no angel. Trouble is no stranger. But Kenneth is learning to steer clear of potential problems, even if it means being ridiculed by friends. Somebody will say, oh, well, he a punk, he a buster, or something, something like that. And they'd be like, nah, that's him. You know, just let him be him. That's him. You know, leave him alone. We just go handle ours. And that's you get your respect out of that. At the Potrero Hill Neighborhood Center, Kenneth works with kids who at ages 6, 7, and 8 have already taken some hard knocks by life. A lot of us come from broken families, and we have misplaced, misplaced anger. We don't know where to place it, so we go to the streets, and, we, and then we get trapped into this thing where, like, well, this is the only way I can make money because no one's going to give me a job. Marco Washington, a product of Bayview-Hunters Point, came out of that same environment. My father was never there. I never had a, 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 a male role model in my family. My uncles were all in jail, too. I was raised by all women. You know, my family consists of, you know, two sisters and my mother. And my mother was my mother and my father. And without a father, Imarco was on the street at an early age looking for something missing in his life. Since I was 13 years old, I always hung, hung out with people uh, years and years older than me because I felt that they could lead me, you know, uh, into manhood. It led Imarco into a world of drugs, alcohol, and violence. He became a hardcore gangbanger. We used to rob taxi cab drivers. We used to beat up people just on a strength, you know, walking down the street and beat up on somebody. We used to break into stores and steal, you know, clothes and breaking us food stores and liquor stores and everything. You know, we, we fights with rival gangs that would come from, you know, 
uh, across the Bay Area. Now 20, his teen years were wasted. I was in and out of the gangs, in and out of jail actually for seven years out of my life. With no remorse or intention of doing anything differently. I never had anybody to, to, to tell me that I was leading, in, I was uh, moving in the wrong direction because it, I think back then, even if I would have, I wouldn't have listened because I was so hard-headed. You know, I wouldn't listen to what anybody said about, okay, well, you leave, you're going in the wrong direction. I maybe would just uh, uh, shine them on. Okay, so what? Someone finally got to him, Marco, the Omega Boys Club. They kept working on him and working on him until one day a light came on. They knew me before I knew myself because I thought I was just this hardcore uh, a gang banger, you know, I had my little money and cars and girls and everything, and I thought that was a life for me. You know, and they showed me that there's a totally different way, you know. I work now, I make $15 an hour legally, man. After the L.A. riots, Imarco is confident that others are just as tired of the gang scene and want out. The Rodney King thing was like a wake-up call, you know, for, for brothers and sisters to open their eyes and realize that, you know, it's time to do something different than gang banging, standing on the corner selling drugs, uh, 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 killing one another. You know, like, just like the Crips and Bloods came together in L.A. and here in San Francisco, Fillmore and Hunters Point came together and, and united as a family. The reality for Marco is this. There are no guarantees. He's going straight, but the streets of big city America are filled with temptations. Biggest temptations is, is you know, sometimes I'm broke. You know, I have no money. And... You know, temptations is, well, I need some money. Should I go out and sell me some drugs? Or, you know, what should, can I rob somebody just to have me some money in my pockets? Those are temptations that, that, that really itch your mind, especially when you're broke. But see, now that I'm working, I don't have that problem. And for the first time, there is a future. And 10 years from now, I think, truthfully, I think I'll, I'll have a, a, a big record company. I own my own record company because I love to sing. I think I own my big record company, and I'll still be helping people in communities all over California. You know, still be doing what I'm doing right now, helping people. Remember Kenneth Miller? His immediate future looks bright, too. He beat out a large field of applicants and landed a summer job as a youth counselor. How do you feel getting that? I feel kind of happy, like, because when I found out, you know, everybody's like, oh, you got the job, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, who? Kenneth and Marco are reminders that solutions to problems facing inner-city youth are not simple. But perhaps like no other time, a window of opportunity seems to be opening. And the generation of the 90s is getting involved in finding its own answers. The Omega Boys Club helped turn Kenneth and Marco's lives around like it has hundreds of other people. Programs are working to change people's lives in the inner city, and there is a sense of hope. Mike Sugarman looked at some of those. It's never easy to be in the ninth grade. Hey, man. Great. Some have a tougher time than others. I have a lot of problems. I got a son at home. He's two months. And, um... I'm having problems at school, having problems at home, everywhere. Goldie Lacey is 15 years old in the ninth grade at Frick Junior High School in East Oakland. He's already a father, very close to dropping out of school. He needs a lot of help. Were you glad? <laughs> y'all be running from him sometimes. Enter Don Hoskins. What you need to do is, and I say this to you all the time, is grab them, see what they do. Don Hoskins is one of the 50 black men. That's a group born last year of dozens of successful black men who decided young blacks needed to see that it was possible to come out of tough conditions and make a good life for yourself. Positive role models in an area where there are few role models for young black males. Hoskins is a social worker who spends many lunch hours at Frick Junior High. 
just to be around. If you hang around long enough, if you're there long enough, if you're not pushing them, you're not asking them, what can I do for you? Eventually, they get to know you well enough, they blossom into a relationship that says, you know, I need some help. Don Hoskins had a mentor who did many things for him, including buying him shoes for his high school prom. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to go. Goldie Lacey this day may have found his mentor. It's cool. They're here to help people. I just came up here and asked him for help. They're not going to ask us if we need help, so we got to come near them. What do you think he can do for you? What would you like him to do for you? Sit down, talk to me. Just talk. That's something he doesn't do with other adults. Talk with someone who's interested and cares. Did you, are you going to be here tomorrow for this? Yeah. Yeah, good. There's a group, 50 Black Women, too. They are both part of what has become known as East Oakland Fighting Back, the brainchild of Alameda County Supervisor Don Parada, and it has attracted national attention. It's an umbrella group for several programs. Grandparents There's a hotline and support group for grandparents who are now taking care of their grandchildren, a planned youth fellowship, and high-impact team for substance abuse. The program is so successful, it has received the prestigious Robert Wood Johnson Foundation grant, one of only 15 agencies in the nation to receive it, and eventually could receive a full $3 million to develop the projects. So there's things that work. We know things that work. It's not a mystery. Uh, what, what, what it is is the necessity of replicating it, expanding the capacity, and being serious about an investment in the inner cities. Fighting back, Executive Director Mark Allen says throwing money at a problem might not solve it, but you can't deal with problems without money either. A lot of people have a lot of ideas how to help solve what's wrong in our inner cities. KCBS reporter Jerry Wilcox sought out some of those proposals from a wide-ranging group of community leaders. His report... When Beyond the Anger, Crisis in the Inner City, continues on KCBS News Radio 74. On April 29th, South Central Los Angeles became the news flash from hell. Congressman Ron Dellum says it may be only the first of many. If the system does not respond in a very short period of time, I think we're looking at a level of rage uh, beyond which we will have no capacity to control. Much to be done and no time to waste, says Dellums, in mending our inner cities, in healing broken dreams, and make no mistake about it, adds UC Berkeley sociologist Dr. Harry Edwards. We are all chained to those troubled neighborhoods, no matter where we live. And if our urban centers collapse and sink, then uh, we too will go over the edge and head for the bottom. Rap music chronicles the realities of the inner city, and it can also carry positive messages. Bay Area rap artists Hugh E. M. C. and Angel say the solutions begin with education and knowledge of self. Teach the true history, the true history of the world. You know, the black man is the original man. Teach that. I see rap as a vehicle to reaching a lot of young people because young people listen to rap music. When I was down with the gangster scene, I kick back, get high, and I daydream, and think about the things I want to become, like rocking on stage, being number one, maybe make a movie or two, and do all the things that great men do, leave my people out of poverty, raise them to the level they ought to be, as a matter of fact, to be exact, to get my people's attitudes and minds intact, so they can make their own pioneers Babylonian country. I will ache this all in my poetry. HUD Secretary Jack Kemp believes self-esteem is enhanced by having a stake in your community. Ownership. Oakland Chamber of Commerce President Retired Admiral Robert Tony 
is not convinced that Washington is going to do much of anything meaningful. Tony believes the real work will be done at the local level. Admiral Tony also believes it is critical to get cops walking beats again, knowing people in the neighborhoods. I think you've just got to make the uh, law enforcement officer a part of the community. If he's ever seen as somebody from the outside, then he will not get the kind of cooperation that you need from the community in order to really police themselves. Everyone agrees jobs are the key. UC Berkeley professor Ed Blakely, an urban affairs specialist, proposes a voucher system. Here's how it would work. The individual who wants a job would be given a voucher. He or she takes the voucher to a non-profit employer. The employer trains and employs the person and cashes in the government voucher to cover the cost. A win-win situation, says Blakely, but it must be a program for everybody, not just inner-city folks, or else... One, you're going to have a tremendous backlash for the suburbs, where most of the voters are. Uh, they won't see any benefits to themselves. The second thing that will happen is these programs will be stigmatized. Meanwhile, the U.S. Conference of Mayors has put together a comprehensive $35 billion recovery program for urban areas, a plan which has the support of Congressman Dellum. If you start this year in fiscal year 1993 with a $50 billion cut in the military budget, bring the military budget to one half within four years and level spend at one half, uh, uh, for the next four years to the year 2000, you pick up in upwards of $1 trillion. Dellums and others favor turning military bases into job training centers, for example, instead of simply shutting them down. Without new jobs, says Hoover Institute fellow and former San Jose police chief Joseph McNamara, military cuts could have ominous implications for the cities. If we cut back too quickly on the armed forces and dump so many young people who are combat trained into inner cities where they'll be without jobs and be understandably bitter, I predict will be increasing problems. UC professor Joel Taylor Gibbs, an expert on the plight of young black men in inner cities, says gun control is a must. If these young men uh, could not get guns so easily, particularly the Saturday night specials. First of all, they wouldn't be able to uh, engage in uh, assaultive behavior, burglaries, etc., with guns. And secondly, they wouldn't be able to kill themselves and wound each other. But ultimately, says Cal Z. Blakely, the answer is not turning around the inner cities. It is turning around the American people because we're all in this thing together. Less than 10 percent of the increase of the workforce in the next century will be white males. If I want my Social Security, if you want yours, if you want to drive an automobile, if you want a nice house, if you want anything, you're dependent upon women, Latinos, blacks, and others who currently live in the inner cities, and these people are already born. They're not moving in. They're not immigrating for someplace. They're here now. The future starts today. If it doesn't start today, we might as well close the doors and turn out the lights. Share your intellect with the child of your neighbor, and you too can be a savior. Lend a helping hand, take a stand, is for who? The brother man. So give a damn. Urban America is now a hot topic, and solutions that are being discussed are getting a serious hearing for the first time in decades. But the problems have been around for decades, too. And even with this newfound attention, they aren't likely to go away anytime in the near future. Beyond the Anger, Crisis in the Inner City. Produced by Arlene Bolton, engineered by Ron Reynolds. For Jerry Wilcox and George Harris, 
I'm Mike Sugarman, KCBS News Radio. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.